The passage today is, is Romans 10, but I'd like to start off in Rome, the end, the, the last few verses of Romans 9. It's on a page, page um, 11, 3, 6. It's right at the end, I think. Nine, Romans 9.30. In these verses, Romans 9, 30-33, Paul outlines the crucial nature of faith in coming to a right relationship with God. The, what then shall we say, of verse 30, could be translated as, right, God has called the Gentiles and only some Jews. What's going on? What then shall we say? that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law by way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it, not by faith, but as, as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. Verses 30 to the start of 32 give us the answer. And the answer is expanded through, 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 that, through those verses and to the end of today's chapter. The Gentiles didn't look for righteousness, but they received it by faith. Also, belonging to the people of God is not a matter of our will but of the God who shows mercy excuse me on to chapter 10 verse 1 brothers and, brothers and sisters my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is, that, is, is that, that, that they may be saved. Paul is passionately concerned. Paul is passionately committed to the salvation of the Jews. And we Christians must not forget them. Chapter 9 talked of God's sovereignty and God remains in control. Verse 2. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. They are passionate about God. They are devoted to him, but their passion is baseless. Verse 3. Since they, since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Paul, Paul isn't talking here about the righteousness that's God's own. He's talking about the righteousness that God gives to those who believe. The Jews didn't know about the righteousness that God confers on people, people of faith. 
In Romans 3, verses 21 to 22, it says, But now the righteousness of God is known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This is the basis on which God gives righteousness. We all, but we all know that. To Christians, to you and me, it's like breathing. But for the Jews, this was a huge, huge issue. Because for them, it seems too easy. It's just too easy to be declared righteous just by believing something. Just by what you believe. You see, the Jews insisted on a righteousness that you had to work for. They thought that it had to be hard. It had, it had to need a great deal of effort or it might not, you know, it might not work. Verse 4. Christ is the culmination of the law so that, so that <coughs> there may be righteousness for all who believe, for everyone who believes. In this verse, we see that the Jews pursued a righteousness of their own, based on the law. Start that again. In this verse, we see that the Jews' pursuit of righteousness of their own based on the law, is wrong because Jesus has brought the law to its culmination, to its highest point. And he has made righteousness available to everyone who believes. Also, besides the law, faith is a new essential force for the believer because while the law is still intact, our relationship with God is now found in Christ, not through the law. And our daily behavior is to be guided by the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. Verse 5. Moses writes this about the righteousness that, that is by law. The person who does these things will live by them. The last part of this verse is from Leviticus 18, verse 15. The person who does these things will live by them. Let's unpack that. Because this verse from the Old Testament summarizes the essence of the law in one little verse. And it's true. If you keep the law, you live. Happy days. When the, guy, when the guy said to Jesus, do you remember in the Gospels? Oh, I've got this. I haven't got it now. When the guy said to Jesus, what's the most important part of the law? Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. 
The problem is, no one could perfectly keep it. And that's why, in the Old Testament, God imposed on his people a system of sacrifices for all the people who couldn't keep the law perfectly. But even this system was not a, wasn't observed fully, wasn't observed completely. And see Malachi for that. And that's why God sent his son to die on a cross for you and for me. Because somebody had to bear the curse of the law. Let's see what it says in Galatians. Sorry. Galatians 3, verses 10 to 13. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Verses 6 to 8. But the righteousness, the righteousness that is by faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the message of faith which we proclaim. That passage is from Deuteronomy 30. And Paul finds in this passage an expression of the grace of God in establishing a, a, a relationship with, <clears throat> with its people. God brought the word near to Israel so that, so that they may know him through his son, Jesus. There's no need for exertion on their part, but it's so that they might know him through his son, Jesus Christ, and that they, that they may respond in faith and obedience. The grace of God is now operative in the new covenant. Neither Jew nor, nor Gentile can plead ignorance of God's revelation in Jesus. We have seen that the word is, is near. 
It is the word of faith. How do you respond to this proclamation? Verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Say it out loud. Believe it in your heart. It's near. And so it asks only a simple response. And when you respond, salvation is yours. There are echoes here of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. The word being in your mouth and in your heart. Verse 10, and are justified, and are saved. That is, the connection between, that is the connection between confession and faith on the one hand, and salvation on the other. Verse 11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. This verse from Isaiah, verse 20. Chapter 28, verse 16, provides scriptural support for the connection of faith and salvation. Not being put to shame refers to deliverance at the time of judgment. Also, by saying anyone, Paul makes it clear that salvation is open to all who believe. Everyone who believes. Verse 12. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone is made equal under the gospel. Verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In Paul's, word, in Paul's world, Lord was the title for Caesar. Saying Jesus was Lord meant ultimately that Caesar wasn't. It's revolutionary stuff. Also, when Paul quotes from the prophet Joel in verse 13, Lord, in that, pa- Lord, in that passage, refers, of course, to the Lord of the Old Testament, who we call Yahweh, Israel's God. Just like in several other places, and here looking back to chapter 9, verse 5 in particular, Paul is quite clear that Jesus the Messiah, who died and rose again, was the personal embodiment of Israel's God, coming at last to do what he had always promised, in and through him, reversing the disaster of Israel's near failure. The name of Israel's God is now glorified among the nations of the world. Verse 14. How then can they call on the one they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can someone preach 
unless they are seen, unless they are sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is a new branch of thought. This and the next verse are a series of questions, questions with no apparent answer. It's linked to verse 13 with, with the word call. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In these questions, every condition has been met except one, that is, personal faith. Who is he speaking to? Who is Paul speaking to? In one sense, he can be read as speaking to everyone, to, to all people. But perhaps he speaks to Israel in particular. The they that he speaks to in this passage The, the, the they that he speaks to in this passage might make you want to think back to verses 2 to 3 of the chapter with its references, with its references to them and they. For I can verse 2, For I can testify about them, they are zealous for God. Verse 3, Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. Chapter, verse 16. But not all Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? A contrast between hearing the good news and a tragic rejection of it the verse says plainly that you can hear, but you don't, you don't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily follow that you believe. Israel's situation, though, Israel's situation isn't merely the result of, I was going to say casual, passive unbelief, but of a conscious refusal to respond to God's gracious initiative. The quotation from Isaiah in, in that, that verse. Yeah. The quotation from Isaiah in verse 16 reminds us that you can hear without believing. And, and in verse 17, it picks, the theme is picked up again. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through, through the word about Christ. The verse picks up on the connection between believing and hearing. This repeats and expands on the last part of verse 14. How can they hear without someone preaching to them? Hebrews 4, verse 2. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. 
But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. We know that in talking to our friends about the gospel, that not everyone will believe. Sadly, it's a fact of life. It's, it's free will. Some just don't mix the message with faith. And so, they don't believe. Verse 18. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Paul borrows the word the words of the psalmist and applies it to the gospel. It's not lack of opportunity that explains why so few Jews have come to faith in Jesus. Because they've 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 had the the um, they've had the scripture all their lives. Um, verse 19. This verse asks, asks, did Israel not understand? Paul quotes Moses. I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. This is a quotation from Deuteronomy, again, preceded by, did Israel not understand? Deuteronomy 32, verse 21 says, They made me jealous by what is no God, and angered me with their worthless idols. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding. Way back in Deuteronomy, God told Israel that he was going to bless a nation who had not sought him. We are those people. The Gentiles have been those people for 2,000 years. We are the ones who have found God even though we weren't looking for him. It could very well be that Paul sees in these words a prophecy of his mission to the Gentiles. Israel should know God. They should have recognized God. And they should be at the center of his blessing. From their own scriptures, then, Israel should have recognized God at work in the gospel. Verse 20. 
From Mosiah again. I was found by those who did not, did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. Gentiles who weren't pursuing righteousness have come into a right relationship with God. Paul, remember, I, I know I've said this before, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. Page. Um, Paul, remember, is writing to Israel to make them say, hey, those blessings that have gone out to the Gentiles, they should have been ours. But we say, I'm a Christian because God loved me so much. We, we are a witness to the Jews to bring them back to God. Our salvation has a purpose beyond itself. That purpose is that Israel might see it and they may say, wow, look at what God has done to those people. Um, a friend of mine, um, I, I was talking to a friend of mine about this during, during the past while, and he said, do you know that in all the world, evangelical Christians are Israel's only friend? We're Israel's best friend, and Israel knows that. So what's, what's the theme of the message here? It's don't make the same mistake that Israel made. Don't ever think that you can work for your salvation. You can rely on Jesus for all of those things that you couldn't do. You can depend on him. Verse 21. But to Israel, God says, all day long I've held up my hands to a disobedient, to, to a disobedient and obstinate people. This verse speaks of the grace of God, of the patience of God. God in revealing himself and reaching out to Israel. But Israel has yet refused to respond. I've referred to Malachi already. That prophet at the end of the Old Testament is a good touchstone for when you're reading this chapter. Malachi chapter 1 verse 2 says of God, I have loved you. And later in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, I the Lord do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. That's why Israel is still here today. God's hands remain outstretched. But his full plan has yet to be revealed. This chapter begins to scrape the surface of God's salvation plan for the world. We'll see more next week. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for saving us. 
We pray that your word may go out into all the world and in whatever way we can, small or, or large, please let's have be your presence with the people we meet wherever we live. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen.